Well, a big happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there. Strong Nation Church, Hawkesbury, Mountains, Penrith, Cambodia, uh, and to all of our friends who are watching today, a big happy happy Mother's Day to you. I uh, hope you really feel celebrated today. I'm glad you could join us for church this morning. It's always a great privilege for me to be able to share on Mother's Day. I actually had my first Mother's Day off last year because we had some long service leave and I was all the way in New Zealand away from my kids. Um, that's the first time ever that's happened. So it's nice that I'm going to be at home this year, although the restrictions, I guess, are um, making, it, making it a little different. But the good news is our fast is over. So Mother's Day is a break from the fast and uh, an enormous celebration, a time of reflection and deep, deep gratitude, especially when I sink my teeth into that meat that my husband is cooking for me today. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Uh, but I, I can't help but reflect on the fact that we are have been mothering in some really extraordinary times. You know, this uh, coronavirus season uh, has definitely been a great test on our ability to mother and, and on our roles as, as mothers. And, uh, you know, I, I think there were all those initial fears and concerns about what this meant for our family, what this meant for schooling our kids, um, what this meant for the health and well-being of our families. Uh, and then uh, quite dismayed uh, as in our role as hunter and gatherers down at the local Woolworths uh, to to kind of recognise those shortages and uh, try and navigate life with some of those shortages that I don't think I ever thought we would see in our lifetime. Uh, and, you know, of course, there's that just daily checking in on everyone's mental health. Uh, I think Charlie got sick of me asking how she's doing today. So she's just telling me she's a thousand percent. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and just trying to keep some sense of rhythm uh, happening in the household. So I think the, the normal challenges of motherhood have really been heightened uh, by the season that we've been in. And so I just want to pause for a moment and say to all you mums out there, well done. Well done. And uh, hang in there because we've got good days ahead. And I really pray for those that still feel like they're uh, treading water that today you'll be really encouraged as I share from, from the word. I have asked myself, I have asked myself in this, in this season especially, you know, am I mothering out of my humanity you know, my, my natural flesh, you know, the immediacy of the situation? Or am I mothering out of my divinity? You know, that God-breathed part of myself, that spiritual, eternal part of myself. Uh, and of course, I think that's a, an important question that all of us can ask. Am I living out of my humanity or am I living out of my divinity? And certainly in this time as a church of us wanting to go deeper, we are uh, really wanting to live more out of the spiritual part of ourselves rather than the natural part of ourselves. And, and so today I, I want to bring a word just to minister to us. Uh, and, and I think it has principles for all of us, not just for mums, but I do pray that you're especially um, encouraged today, mums. So I, I've got a lot of heroes in the Bible that are mums. Deborah is my favourite. I love that she says, village life ceased until I, Deborah, a mother in Israel, arose. 
And if I ever get a tattoo, it'll be that verse. <laughs> um, I love Deborah. I just love, I love her spirit that she identified herself as a mother in Israel and brought Israel to a place of conquering when village life had ceased. And uh, so she's one of my heroes. And I think of Moses' mother, Yoshebed, who bravely took her baby in a crocodile-infested waters and uh, protected her child from, from death in, amongst those reeds until Pharaoh's daughter uh, found him and, and then raised him and and I think of I think of mothers like Elizabeth who had a child later in life but raised him to uh, really make way for the coming of the Messiah so John the Baptist was her was her son and you know these were tenacious mothers they, they had they had some resilience about them and they had a perspective about them and uh, they really inspire me my own mother uh, was very much like that and I know that for each of these mothers they had that same wrestle with are they, are they mothering out of their humanity or out of their divinity and uh, and I and I think that we can safely say that for these examples I think they discovered uh, that aspect of mothering out of their divinity uh, and so I thought well who, who would be the most, uh, the, the greatest example of, of a mother that mothered out of her divinity and out of her humanity? And I thought, well, it would have to be the Virgin Mary, right? The, the, the mother of Jesus, you know, the, she's a great inspiration and, uh, you know, it would have to be her. And then I read a few stories about Mary and I was a little bit shocked. You know, things started off very well. I mean, she's chosen by God to do something quite earth-shakingly significant <laughs> to bring the Son of God into the world like amazing she gets this angelic visitation and she has this divine conception and you know this prophetic confirmation from her cousin Elizabeth and she gives birth to Jesus and she has wise men turning up bringing all these gifts and you know more angelic visitations to the local shepherds and like just incredible incredible beginning as a mother and, you know, I think what a marvel, what a wonder uh, to be expecting the, the, uh, the Son of God. And uh, indeed, every pregnancy is a wonder. Every child is a wonder. Motherhood is a wonder. And, uh, and so Mary, Mary starts off well, and that's, it's really inspiring. But as we see the story unfold, we actually discover that Mary has some really human moments as a mum. And uh, so I'm going to I'm going to share with you a couple of stories in the scriptures that uh, reveal her uh, as just a mum. And uh, you know I, I'm not not being sacrilegious in in any way. I know in some quarters of the church there are uh, sentiments that Mary's um, has a form of deity. But I'm telling you now, she was just a girl like you and me and uh, just just a human like you and me and so she had the same wrestle about making choices to live out of her humanity or out of her divinity so let's have a look at the story in Luke chapter 2 picking it up in verse 41 now his parents Jesus parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old they went up according to custom and when the feast was ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey 
And then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Mary lost God's son. I mean, this is kind of a big deal. <laughs> she lost her kid. Now, I can totally relate to Mary in this moment because I've pretty much lost every one of my kids at some point or another. <laughs> I'm ashamed to say. Uh, but one of the stories that really came to mind was the story of losing Solomon when he was about three years old, so around the, around the age of Neve now. And uh, I had all, all four boys at the plaza and we were shopping and I had them, I had them in, a, um, I believe it was a clothes store a few years ago now, considering Solomon's about to turn 20. Uh, and I, I uh, gave the marching orders, we're leaving the store now, come on boys, and expected my little ducks to line up behind me. And we were not far out of the shop and I turned around to do the head count and uh, there was one missing. My baby duck was missing. <laughs> And that horrible, sick feeling of losing a child um, kind of hit me and I r ran back into the, into the store that we were just at thinking he's probably hiding behind the clothes and uh, searched, searched everywhere, talked to the, um, to the girls that worked in the shop and asked, asked them if they'd seen my son. They had not seen him. And I'm, I'm frantically looking up and down, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the strand there at the plaza and there is just no sign of him anywhere. And I had that horrid, horrible, panicked sensation that someone has actually stolen my child. It was absolutely horrible. And so with, with my three other kids in tow, I'm frantically searching for my son until I hear over the uh, loudspeaker, the, the public um, speaker, I hear, would Auntie Omi please come to the information desk? And it took me a second to register what they were saying and I suddenly realised that Auntie Omi was me. <laughs> and someone had found him and taken him to the information desk and they had asked him, what is your mother's name? And he had said, Auntie Omi, because that's what he heard his cousins call me. And so he figured that that must be my name. I was Auntie Omi. So fortunately, uh, <laughs> I recognised it, went to the information desk and found my son, which was a great relief. <laughs> So no one likes to lose their kid, but even, even the mother of Jesus lost their kid. So this is very encouraging. So this, the story resolves itself. It says, after three days, three days, like I'm three minutes, I'm in the fetal position over losing my child. Three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. How did Mary not understand what Jesus was saying? How is it that she missed this moment? I mean, she was there for the angelic visitation and the divine conception. 
you know, the, the whole birth story, the, like she, she understood back then the significance. She was having the, the Son of God and, and what Jesus was coming to the earth to do. She, she had a revelation of all of those things I and mean, she'd been visited by God. So how is it now that she doesn't understand what he's saying when he says, I'm, I'm meant to be in my father's house, mum. You know, this is kind of my destiny. It's really fascinating to me and I... I I kind of can get into the mind of a mother, having been in this situation <laughs> myself, and realise that her concern was about this, this immediate natural circumstance. And, and she was probably processing a little bit of guilt over the fact that she had no idea where her child was. Um, and, you know, she was probably really flustered by the inconvenience, because we know what that's like, don't we, mums? You know, like the inconvenience of parenting. Um, and processing this guilt, probably embarrassed about her son's behaviour and maybe what it's, what it's the, the embarrassment, what that's caused for her and Joseph in, in their community and, uh, and how they might look at her now. And, and, and I think she was so consumed with the here and now, with the, with the natural circumstance, that she was missing the bigger picture. She was missing the incredible significance of Jesus in the temple, speaking uh, and asking questions and, and engaging with, with the religious leaders of the day, uh, talking about the things of God. But we do get some clue that given some time to process this, it says that she treasured up all these things in her heart. I, I do believe that when, when the immediacy of it all lifted, she remembered, ah, that's right. I'm raising the son of God. He's got stuff he's got to do. And she treasured it all up in her heart. And I'm really encouraged by this story because it really reminds us that great things can grow out of very humble moments like these. Uh, I think, you know, in the context of parenting, we've all had our big parenting fails. Um, and, uh, you know, like I remember getting everyone ready for church and, you know, kind of running late to get everyone in the car and take off for church. And I'm halfway to church, which is a half an hour drive, and I suddenly realise I've left one of the kids at home. It was Elijah. Had to go back and get him. He was not impressed. Uh, you know, my, my husband, I'm going to dob him in now. Uh, he, he, uh, he was left to dress my, my children for their grandmother's funeral. I had to go earlier for my mum's funeral. And the kids arrive and Judah's wearing his pyjama shirt. I mean, parenting fails. Like, we, we all have them, right? <laughs> I have been known to send my kids to school in the wrong uniform. Homeschooling was awesome. We could do it in our pyjamas. Uh, <laughs> You know, but we can we can uh, be swept up in these sort of parent fail moments, and we can feel embarrassed about our kids' behaviours. You know, tantrums in the middle of the plaza or whatever in the shopping centre, um, or uh, or just consumed with the inconvenience of parenting, and we can lose all perspective and just be sitting in our humanity when it comes to our parenting. But we're in good company because even the Mother of God had that moment. And yet God is still calling us to raise the next generation. He chose us to do that. He chose you, mum. He chose you to raise the next generation. He believes in you. And I'm so encouraged to know that even when Mary lost sight of all of that, the will of God was still unfolding. The purpose and plan of God was still unfolding over Jesus' life. I think even outside of a parenting context, 
you know, this really speaks to us. There's a principle of life about this that we can be very caught up with the immediate needs of our very physical world, very caught up in the natural condition of, uh, of everything, especially right now with the, the strangeness of, uh, you know, living life with a, a pandemic, the weird socialisation and distancing and, and things that have been so unnatural for us, uh, losing a lot of our liberties, which I don't think any of us should be terribly comfortable uh, with, you know, this is a, a strange time that we live in but we can get so caught up in that that we can forget that God is still continually unfolding his purposes in our life he's still at work and Mary's story gives us hope that despite our shortcomings nothing can stop the plans of God from unfolding he is so good he is so faithful and just like her we can stop and reflect and remind ourselves of of the the greater picture of the supernatural dimension of our lives, you know, that sense of destiny that we can live with, that we've been chosen. As parents, we've been chosen to raise the next generation. As followers of Jesus, we've been chosen to advance the kingdom, to carry the treasures of kingdom of the kingdom. And in all of that, we can pause and treasure up in our heart, uh, you know, despite the humble circumstances uh, that lead to those revelations, we can treasure up in our heart the fact that God is still at work. He's, he's still out working in our lives. Um, I, I do love that. My dad has always said to me this, this phrase. He's always said, God loves an honest sinner. Uh, and I think that it's so true. You know, it's so true. And I think acknowledging our humanity <laughs> and acknowledging that sometimes we live out of our humanity, um, but seeking him and learning to grow uh, in him, I think all of those things are pretty irresistible to God. Uh, he can't help himself but, but move in our lives when we're, when we're honest and humble and uh, you know, able to reflect on those situations. But this isn't the only story that we have that shows us Mary's humanity. So we pick up a story in Mark chapter 3, verse 20. And Jesus is really launched into his ministry. It's, it's quite new. It's fresh uh, that he's, he's uh, launched into his ministry and he's um, uh, gathered disciples and he's gathered quite a crowd. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. It's quite phenomenal. Uh, and so we pick up this story here and it says, Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Just think about that for a minute. This is Mary and Jesus' brothers. A bit further down it says, a crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. And then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Ouch. Like, Mary really missed this. <laughs> she really missed it. And uh, this is another parent fail moment because she had, she had been visited by an angel. She had... Ha had a divine conception like she had connected with heaven in this incredible history changing moment you know the fulfillment of every prophecy up until now of bringing the son of god into the world 
And yet in this moment that he launches into his ministry, Mary misses it. She's standing there with her sons, her other sons, saying, Jesus has lost the plot. Get him home. It's going to his head. What is with all this, you know, he should be at home looking after us. Uh, you know, it just, she just missed it. And I thought, you know, she had grown familiar with Jesus. She'd raised him and, you know, they'd done a lot of everyday life. And in her humanity, she, she had a view of Jesus uh, that had grown familiar. I think this is a really important lesson that we can glean from. If we're going to mother out of our divinity and not out of our humanity. Because I think we can get so familiar with our kids. We can get familiar with their shortcomings and imperfections. We can get familiar with their angsty teenage attitude. We can get familiar with their, you know, grunting from behind a screen or those constant reminders of emptying the dishwasher. Uh, and we can get so familiar with them that we forget that there is an unfolding destiny of God over their life. And it's still playing out. We're part of preparing them for what God has for them. I think that familiarity has the power to put our kids in boxes that God wants to break them out of. You know, um, I have a story to share about Elijah. He was my quiet kid. He was always pretty quiet. I guess you've got two big brothers speaking for you. You can, uh, you can afford to kind of get away with saying very little. Uh, but he, he never really became very uh, verbal. And in his teenage years, you know, if I managed to get a syllable out of him, it was sensational. <laughs> so when he was coming to the end of his uh, schooling years and we were asking him what he wanted to do next, I was a bit flawed when he told us that he wanted to be a chaplain. I'm thinking, how, how is he going to interact with people every day? Like, he's going to have to talk to them. <laughs> like, um, you know, I was really worried that this was going to be very full on for him, uh, very draining on, on him, because uh, he, he, it wasn't natural for him to converse with people. And, uh, and so I was really concerned and I was concerned about that career path because there was no, no real prospect of, of there being money uh, attached to, to that. And, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, thinking about how he's going to provide for a family and, uh, you know, all these concerns that I had in, in my mind. And then God challenged me. I sensed the Holy Spirit challenge me about the way I was putting my son in a box. I'd grown familiar with him and I'd put him in a box and the Holy Spirit just nudged me and challenged me because Elijah was learning to hear the voice of God for himself and God was calling him and he wanted to obey and I had to trust that he could hear from God and obey God and that then God would have his back you know the amazing thing is Elijah is now in three different schools paid full-time work he is so valued in those environments. He's ministering to kids in incredibly dark places. He is doing a phenomenal job. And if you were tuning in on Good Friday, you can see he has no problem putting a sentence together at all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's married to an amazing girl. They've bought their first house. All those concerns that I had, they were coming out of me, mothering out of my humanity. And in that moment, God taught me to actually mother him out of my divinity. 
that spiritual part of us that recognises that there is an unfolding plan of a good, good God over our kids. And we can extend that way, way past uh, the role of parents, the role of mothers. We can get very familiar with our spouses, our husbands, our wives, our parents, our leaders, our bosses. And we can start thinking some very human thoughts, very small thoughts, very immediate thoughts and fail to see that God has actually honoured those positions, those roles in our life. He's honoured our husbands and honoured our wives. He's honoured our parents, our leaders, our bosses. He's honoured them. He's put them in a place of honour. And out of our humanity, we can get familiar. We can be a bit disdainful about people and their foibles and their shortcomings. But, you know, God challenges us to treat one another with a sense of God wonder and recognise the eternal nature of the other. And I think really one of the most important lessons that Mary teaches us even out of this very human moment that she has with Jesus. And she's, she was able to redeem herself because we find her there at the cross. And not just at the cross, we find her there in the upper room with the disciples after Jesus had risen from the dead, after he had ascended to heaven. She's there. She's in the thick of it. She's there as the early church got its, you know, straps on and began to advance and she was there. She redeemed herself because she didn't stay in that place of her humanity. She actually remembered the place of her divinity. And I want to encourage each one of us today to remember that too. At the beginning of the year, Pastor Rick spoke on the theme, the theme verse over the year, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And we've had an extraordinary season of working out how to redeem the times we're living in because God is in the redeeming business. These are interesting days we live in. And even yet within them, God can redeem the time. He can redeem it. In a powerful way. Isaiah 44:22 says, I have swept away your offences like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And so today on this Mother's Day, Mum, please know that God has redeemed you. And every day He gives you the opportunity to redeem every situation, every moment, and we can treasure up what God is doing in the lives of our children and our families, just like Mary did, because He's so faithful. I'd really love to pray for you mums this morning. So why don't, we, why don't we do that? Oh, Heavenly Father, what a good, good God you are. We thank you for the stories of those that have gone before. They continually teach us, guide us, encourage us, inspire us. I thank you for the life of Mary and her obedience to bring the Son of God into the world, change the course of history for all of humanity. But I thank you today that you've chosen each of us for a special purpose, for something eternal, something supernatural, 
I pray that you would minister to every guilty heart or every every heart that feels the, the loss of their own shortcomings. And Lord, that you would minister to every heart and bring healing and wholeness to it. Lord, that we would be mums that rise above that and redeem the time for the days are evil. That we would redeem our roles as mums. That we would redeem our families. That we would redeem the futures of our children. We would redeem the destiny over them. God, that we would rise up and really take hold of mothering out of our divinity above our humanity. I thank you for your incredible grace that covers us in those moments of weakness. Lord, I pray that every mother listening today would be able to lift her chin a little higher and understand how chosen and loved she is by you and that she would redeem the days. Bless them. Bless every mum today, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, mums, I hope you have a great day today. I hope you've all received our gift in the mail. I hope there was no slow mail this week. Um, We truly honour you and treasure you, value you. We love you so much and we hope you have a terrific day. And, uh, And to the rest of the church, we love you too. Can't wait to see you all. Have a great week. Bye.